In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. If you uh, have taken note in the bulletin, uh, Andy Olivo is scheduled to preach today, but his daughter was born uh, Friday morning. And I have a confession to make to you, um, something that I think is evident to you, not so self-evident to me, is that I'm not a very smart guy. Last Sunday, uh, Catherine Olivo, the mother, was here, and I went to see, I went to talk to her after the service, and I said, Catherine, how are you feeling? So Catherine said to me, I'm feeling terrible. I want this baby to be born. I want this baby to be born this week. I am tired of not sleeping. I am tired of carrying this baby. It is hot out there. I am tired of everything. I'm going to have this baby this week. And then she said to me, I'm going to walk miles and miles if I have to to get this baby moving. And if the baby doesn't move because of all of the walking, I'm going to do jumping jacks until that baby comes down. So I laughed with her and uh, it's kind of a, almost uh, lovingly patted her on the, bed, on the head because I knew the baby was not due till next week. So then I went to Andy and I said, Andy, you know, you're scheduled to preach next week, but I think uh, Catherine is ready to have that baby. And he said, oh, no, no. She's not due until next week. I'll be there on Sunday morning. So Catherine, of course, is the one who has the baby on uh, Friday. And uh, Andy texted me when the baby was born and said, uh, our baby was born and uh, something like 6 o'clock in the morning. And I told us all about that everybody was doing well. And then there was that little caveat at the very bottom which said, I won't be with you on Sunday, by the way. <laughs> So there you go. So here I am pinch hitting for Andy. Now the good news is that God is good. And I know that God is good because the lesson for today from the gospel is a very familiar lesson. If you grew up with a 1928 prayer book, which I, it's a prayer book that I grew up with, at the end of the, uh, after the absolution, after the confession came the absolution. After the absolution, there were the comfortable words. And part of the comfortable words, come unto me, all ye that prevail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. So Sunday after Sunday, if you attended the Episcopal Church when the 1928 prayer book was used, those words were said every Sunday. Come unto me, all ye that prevail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. So I was glad to be able to read that this uh, Friday evening, be able to read Friday evening, that that was the gospel reading uh, for today. In order to understand that it's completely, we need to kind of always, I've always told you, you know, context determines content. And the context in which this takes place is that Jesus has started his public ministry. He's been traveling throughout many of the cities of, uh, of Galilee and Capernaum. He's been teaching, he's been doing his teaching, and it has all been rejected. It has all been rejected by the people in the cities. They've all the people who are the learned people. They are the scribes and the Pharisees. They don't receive the gospel that Jesus is preaching. The people who are well-educated, they don't want any part of it. The people who have the money, they don't want any part of it. The people who are the politicos, they don't want any part of it. The pundits, they don't want any part of it. Everybody rejects Jesus. And if you read what's immediately before our reading today, you have John the Baptist in jail. Even John the Baptist, who comes proclaiming that Jesus is the one who is to follow, even John the Baptist in jail sends his disciples out to find out if Jesus is the one. Because what he's hearing is not what he expected to hear. What he is hearing is a very different message from what he was expecting to hear. And everybody, bar none, the people in the cities, bar none, are rejecting Jesus. And the only ones, the only ones who are receiving the message 
are those who live out in the country. The only ones who are receiving the message are all the ones who are not well educated. The ones who are receiving the message are all the ones who are, who are in desperate straits, who are cobbling life together as best that they can. Remember, the gospel is not written uh, uh, by somebody in some studio or, or in an office. The, the gospel is written for people who are putting life together with short bits of strings. That's really what's going on. They are having a hard time, and they want to hear some good news. I've told you this before, but when I was in Patterson, New Jersey, one of my friends was the pastor of an African-American Baptist church, and I was over at the Episcopal Church, St. Paul's Church in Patterson, and uh, as you know, Episcopalians, not this congregation, of course, not St. John's congregation, but for most Episcopalians, if you finish the service after 59 minutes and 59 seconds, as people are walking out, they'll say, well, you went over an hour today. <laughs> and my response is always, did you get anything else during the service? So I went over to my friend who was the minister of the Baptist church, and I went to him and I said to him, you know, how is it that a church church the service can go on for two hours, it can go two and a half hours, and nobody complains to you. And he said, well, Luis, it's very simple. You Episcopalians aren't sure that what God has to offer you is any better than what you've got already. The people in my congregation, they're poor. It's hard scrabble. And what we proclaim in the gospel is so much better than what they've got that they want to stay there and hear it for as long as they possibly can because it is good news to hear the Word of God, to hear the Word of God for hard-scrabble people. And so those are the ones who are listening to Jesus in this particular episode. The folks who are not bad people, the Pharisees, the scribes, everybody else, you know, they received the law, the Pentateuchal laws, the law of Moses. And there were 613 commandments in the Pentateuch. There are 613 commandments in the Pentateuch. Can you imagine trying to live a righteous life following 613 commandments every day? Now, people tried, and they tried because they knew that if they were able to accomplish some of them, they would be better than the other person who was not able to accomplish as many. So it was sort of a, a standing on top of each other. Oh, so I almost did 613, so I'm better than you are. It's a way of staying on top. I have a rabbi friend of mine who told me one time a Yiddish story that goes something like this, and he said that, that there's a man to whom all sorts of evil had befallen, all sorts of problems had befallen upon him, and finally he complained to God, and he said, Why me, Lord? Why me? I've been keeping all 613 laws of the Pentateuch. Why me? Why is all of this befalling me? There's complete silence. Finally, the voice from heaven comes, and he says, It's because you're a bore. You and I both know that self-righteous people are boring people. Self-righteous people are the ones who think they have it over you because they follow the rules, they follow the laws, and they are better than what you are. Now, in that context, Jesus comes and gives us some very good news, some very good news that I'm going to give them to you almost in Twitter fashion, and you'll have to fill in the blanks for yourself. The first thing is this is something for you to do. The first one of this is the good news that all Jesus wants you to do is to come. Come close to me. I was at a workshop one time in New York City, 
And Henry Nouwen was the speaker at this particular. He's a Roman, he was a Roman Catholic priest, a professor. He was also a pastor. He was also a great author. And Henry Nouwen, we were have, people were asking him some questions and so on. He said, well, the greatest commandment is this, come close. That that's all Jesus wants. Come close to me. That's what Jesus wants. And he comes here, come unto me, all ye that travail and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will refresh you. The first thing is, Come close to Jesus. That's the invitation. That's all you have to do. It's come close to Jesus. Give your heart to Jesus. That's all that the commandment is asking. Come close. The second thing that Jesus says is something for you to do is take my yoke upon you. I've never been in a place like this, but I see enough National Geographic shows on TV that I see people who are carrying water pails with a yoke around their shoulder. You've seen those? And then two pails of water or some heavy stuff at the very end of it, and they're able to do it for fairly long distances. And every time that I see it, my images from this passage is, can you imagine, can you imagine if you were bearing that, if spiritually you were bearing that, metaphorically you were bearing that, and then someone comes and offers you with two parts, and one of the other person on the other part of the yoke is Jesus saying, come over here. Come over here and bear, I'll bear the burden with you. Come over here, I'll be your partner. Come over here, I'll stand by you. And that's the promise. For, God, for Jesus' joke is easy and the burden is light. It makes it lighter on all of us. And that's what Jesus is inviting everybody in the context of our reading and to us today, to you and to me. Come close, bear the yoke with me, because it's the yoke of Jesus which is lined with love. Come to me, all you who travail and are heavy laden, who have a huge burden, and I will give you rest. The third thing he says is, give up the burden. That's the other thing you've got to do is give up the burden. Sometimes I think we hold on to our burdens uh, as, as, as if they were the greatest gift that God has ever given each and every one of us. All the things that bother us, the things that drive us crazy, the things that make us worry. As you and I both know, worrying is a useless event. Worrying is absolutely useless. And I can tell you that I know it existentially because I woke up, and maybe you wake up in the middle of the night sometimes worrying, but I woke up two nights ago after Andy told me that the baby was born, and I spent all night worrying about what I was going to say the Sunday morning. And I finally had to say, God, you've got to do it for me. You've got to relieve my burden because I can't do it by myself. I'm not well prepared. I haven't been reading. I listened to Andy. I didn't listen to Catherine. I'm in a heap of trouble here. But the thing you've got to do, which is the invitation, is give up the burden. Let it go. Let Jesus have it. All healing can take place if you let it go. Healing cannot take place if you don't let it go. If you hold on to it with an intensity, with white-knuckled intensity, it will never disappear from your life. And then the fourth part of our story in the gospel today is, of course, that God has a promise for you. If you come close to Jesus, if you share that yoke, if you give up your burden, there's a promise from God. And the promise from God is that I will refresh you. I will give you rest. I don't know about you, but that sounds good to me. I like to be refreshed. 
I like the fuel rested. What comes to my mind is the Hebrew word shalom, the Aramaic word salam, both of which mean the same thing, peaceful existence, wholeness, completeness, refreshment, peace, at one with yourself and with God. And so our story today gives us the good news of the gospel. If we were doing the 28 prayer book, we all would know it by heart. Come unto me, all ye that travail and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will refresh you. So come close to Jesus. Share that loving yoke. Give up your burden, and the promise will be fulfilled. You will be fresh. You will be refreshed. You will be at rest. You will be at peace with God now and forever. Amen.